Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Good morning, Anchor Church. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's time to go into our first word, but before we do, we're going to open in prayer, but everybody be real tentative because we've had some good messages. Get close to the Lord's table. Get, eat all we can get, okay? Because the day and hour in which we live in, we need strong teaching, strong preaching. There's I hate to say it like this, but we have too many sissies running around here, so man up, guys. But let's, 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 let's pray. But, uh, Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this morning, to be in here this morning. God, we ask you to bless this service, Lord, that you move in a special way, Lord. God, you see every need, every heart, Lord. Let us be open to your spirit. Help us, O oh Lord. Give us praise for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody, listen tenderly. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dad. Come on, let's clap our hands and thank God for his spirit. We're so thankful, Lord, to be in your presence today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As he said, man up. Man up. That's exactly right. And um, we are so thankful that you are here, what the Lord is doing, and all of those that are being baptized. I received word yesterday that there's more on the way that want to be baptized. and We are very, very grateful. And um, we want to open up the word of the Lord to the book of Luke today, the book of Luke. And while you're turning there, I've heard such great reports from our youth retreat this weekend. And so good to have Brother and Sister Hammond with us. He's going to be preaching in our 11 o'clock. She's going to be singing. We're so thankful to have them here. Amen, amen. Powerful preacher. And uh, both of them come from great stock. I know that about them and what the Lord has done in their life. And it's going to bless us today. All of our young people, so thankful for you and your love for God. The other night on a Wednesday night, I had to go down and tell the youth that were still praying. I said, y'all have to leave because we got to lock up. On a Wednesday night, they were still seeking the face of God. Isn't that wonderful? As, as Dad was saying, Brother Tackett was saying, the chaos in today's society. But there is prophecy over this generation is that the sons and the daughters will prophesy. Don't ever think because the world's gone woke that the church isn't going to be the church. It's going to flourish in the dark hour. How many know the church will flourish? Amen. The, the book of Luke chapter 1 Verse 30, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. I, I would like to talk today. I, I told you I would preach to the women today because I've I preached a little long to the men last week, but they needed it. Can all the women say amen? And uh, we're going to speak to the women today about the power of a praying woman. 
the power of a praying woman. I want you to put your uh, Bibles down, lift your hands. I want you to ask God to speak to you today. Lord, we pray the anointing on this service. We pray the anointing over your word. Lord, we pray that God, you would open every heart. Touch every mind and every soul in this room today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody says, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, um, I, I will never forget uh, many years ago, I was, I was sitting on an airplane. I was, I was actually flying from here um, to, to Florida. And uh, I, I got on this, I got on this plane and uh, headed from, I believe it was Columbus. I was, yes, it was Columbus. I was flying from Columbus to Atlanta to catch a plane to Florida. And uh, I got on the plane, and when I sat down, there was there was three seats on each side of the plane, a center aisle, and and I, I came down and I sat, and there was a a gentleman sitting against the window, and I sat, and there was a middle seat in between us. And um, plane takes off, and we start having conversation. And and I'll never forget that. And he he actually started the conversation. And typically, airplane conversation is what do you do, where are you from, where are you going, type thing. And and I said, uh, uh, well, I I'm a pastor. And when I said I'm a pastor, he said, shoot, man, Mama's been praying. And I said, oh yeah, I said. Uh, Mama's been praying, huh? He said, yeah. He said, I said, well, do you go to church anywhere? He said, um, uh, well, I haven't been in about five years. I said, well, you know, Jesus is coming. He, he got all nervous. And I said, you know, it probably ought to be a good thing that you start going to church, you know. And he, 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 got, he got really nervous and, and got quiet. And we, we had a little bit of conversation just for a little bit. And then he just shut up. He did not want to talk. And so a little bit later on the plane, I brought up sports, just the conversations trying to start. And he, uh, I said something about sports. He said, oh, no. He said, I know what you're trying to do. Now, typically when you are on a plane and you're, you're setting the rows back, the cordial thing to do is when the, 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 you hear the sound of the, the bell, that means you, you are, you're docked in, you can get up, you can get your bags. When it, it sounded, he jumped up, he said, excuse me, you, you typically wait on the next row in front of you to go before you go anywhere. He didn't, he pressed by everybody, and he's a foot taller than everybody on the plane, and he is scooting by, getting away from the preacher. He went all the way to the front and left, and uh, I remember getting off of that plane, and, and I'm walking, going to the gate, and if you know, uh, Atlanta Airport is probably... It is the busiest, the largest airport in the world. And you've got, you've got gate T, A through F, that, and there, there are a lot of gates, maybe, I don't know, 30-some uh, gates at least uh, on at each, each of those letters. And I'll never forget getting off the plane, and I can see that tall man walking through the airport. I wasn't chasing him. I promise I wasn't chasing him. But he couldn't get away from me. And he goes and gets on the tram and leaves, and I get on the tram, and, and uh, I was thinking to myself, man, he was, he was troubled by being near me. Mama's been praying. He's trying to get away from the preacher that God's put in his world. 
And I'll never forget going from wherever we were and I went to, to gate B and when I get to gate B, I know that I'm B9 is my gate I'm going to fly out of and I just go over and have a seat because there's some extra seats over here and there's B7. I sit down and I look up and I can see him. He's at my gate. He doesn't know I'm in the world and he's on the phone and he is, he's, he's walking by on his phone and he's talking about me on his phone. And he said, you're not going to believe it. I was on this plane and there's a preacher there and he said, there wasn't even anybody in between us. And he looks up and sees me sitting there and said, ah! And he takes off and he gets on B7 and leaves. Can I tell you today, there is power in a praying mother. There is power in a praying mom. That was orchestrated by God. I've told you before about the man from Texas that I was on a plane with. From, I was flying from, from Houston, Texas to Southern California to preach a meeting. I get on a plane and in, in Texas we stop at Salt Lake City to get on another plane. And on the second plane a man sits beside me and his name is Kirk. He sits beside me, never met him before, but when he sits down beside me, there's a lady in between us. He says, when he sits down, he said, my goodness, I sit, on the, I sit in the same seat beside you on the last plane. And y'all have heard me tell the story. Anyhow, I begin to talk about the Lord because he, when he finds out I'm a preacher, he said, you're a preacher? I said, yeah. He said, I've been seeking God for the last three months. I gave my life to the Lord. I want to know as much about God as I can, he said. And he said, why was Jesus baptized? I began to explain to him why Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. I asked them to come to that meeting that I was preaching that night one mile away from the airport in Southern California. He shows up and God fills him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? The next week, and, and the next week, he calls me, long story short, but he calls me, and he lives in Texas. He gets the Holy Ghost in the camp meeting in California. He calls me the next Thursday. My wife will vouch for this. But he calls me, he said, he said hey, preacher. I said, yeah. He said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, I'm standing in the parking lot of your church. Here in Zanesville, in the parking lot. I said, I said how did that happen? He says, long story, I'll tell you. You got to come and meet me. I came here and met him. He said, I'm not supposed to be in Ohio, but the guy that does the job got sick, and my boss called and said, you have to go to Ohio. You have to go there. You have to be there. When he lands in Columbus, he has three, three of them are working, and he knows I live east of Columbus. So there was Cincinnati, Circleville, and then there was, uh, I believe it was McConnellsville, was the city he was going to go to. So he drew on a map because he's the boss and he assigns one of them to go west. He writes south of Columbus. He writes on there McConnellsville and on the east he puts Circleville. So he chooses McConnellsville thinking it's not east of Columbus to get away from the preacher. And he sends the other two guys, he sent one guy what he thought was going to be east of Columbus because he knows I'm east of Columbus, but he wrote the, the, the map wrong and he shows up and he is in Zanesville. And he comes here and he says, I have a question for you. 
He said, before you say anything, why did my boy the other night at the table say, you know, Dad, I believe God and Jesus are the same one. He said, what in the world is he talking about? And I was able to teach him about the oneness of God, the mighty God in Christ, the power of the Lord. It's a wonderful experience. He flies back, we stay in connection, and I said to him, I said, Kurt, you've got to find out. I believe there's somebody in your background that knows about Pentecost. He said, you've got to ease this tongues thing in on people. You can't just tell people you've been speaking in tongues. He later calls me and says, Pastor, I've got something to tell you. He said, I asked my dad. He said, I said, Dad, he said, I, I, I've got to tell you something. I met this guy on a plane, went to a camp meeting. I've been speaking in tongues ever since. Dad, do you know anything about this? And his dad said, well, son, he said, your grandmother was so good at it that somebody could stand up and speak in tongues and she'd stand up and tell the church exactly what they said in English. He said she was a member of the United Pentecostal Church in Shreveport, Louisiana. She was dead and gone, but her prayers were still alive. Still alive. I, I told you last week that, that the power of the man, that in the Garden of Eden, and I will say to you again today that the Garden of Eden was the establishment of the original family. It is where God made Adam in his image. He, he trusted Adam. He gave him authority and he gave him dominion. Not only did he have authority, not only did he have dominion, he had direction. He had a word from the Lord. The Lord commanded him, this is, I've given you everything. But that one tree, do not touch it, for the day you take of that tree, you're going to die. God puts him to sleep. How many know he had already put all the animals before him and whatever Adam named it is what God named it. Look at your neighbor and say, God gave him the authority to name. I, 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 I'm trying to move on to the women, but i got to stop here for a minute because it was God's design for the man to do the naming. Joseph, call his name Jesus. When you begin to look at this, there is power in the, in the, in the verbiage of a man's Word. Man's holiness is different than la ladies' holiness. When you begin to talk about modesty and modest apparel of a lady, the holiness, but the holiness of a man was that he is to lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Truth of the matter is, man, when you're angry, keep your mouth shut. Man, when you are doubting, keep your mouth shut. And you will find that even, I feel like preaching here for a minute. You're going to find that when Jacob lived his life with that name that was given him as deceiver, surplanter, cheater. That when he was married to Rachel and Rachel is having labor issues and Benjamin is born and she is dying. She names him Moroni, the son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, oh no, 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 no. His name is going to be called Benjamin, beloved of the Lord. He understood the value of a name. And I'm going to say to every man in this building, it is your responsibility to govern your attitude, to govern your spirit,
to govern your human spirit. The Bible says that a, 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 a person that cannot control their spirit, they are, they are unhinged, they're explosive in their temper, explosive in their verbiage, explosive in their ways. It's like a city without walls. What does that mean in the Proverbs? It means there's no protection. There's no protection. Somebody that is explosive in anger, that means every gate is tore down. There's no walls of protection. Anything can come in and out of that family. But you give me somebody that can govern their temper, govern their attitude. When their mouth, they keep their mouth shut. The Bible tells us that even Jesus, it describes him as a lamb that was dumb before his shearers. Because if Jesus in that moment would have opened up his mouth, he would have ruined what was destined to happen at the cross. When they came, look at your neighbor and say, keep your mouth shut. If you're mad, don't speak. I will say to every father in the building, if you're mad, don't spank. Did you hear, Pastor? I'm teaching you today. If you're angry, it's not time to give them a whipping. Because you're going to give them a whipping to do you good because you're mad. The, the spanking, the discipline is not for you. It's for them. If you're angry, send them to the room and you go cool off and deal with it when you're balanced and you are feeling calm again. We should not operate out of anger. It is not the will of God. Neither should you operate out of low moments in your life. Unbelief. Well, I just don't think God hears me when I pray. Quit saying things of unbelief. I'm going to tell you what to do when everything's going chaotic. The Father needs to stand up and say, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. God is faithful. God is on the throne. God's going to take care of this. God knows exactly where we are. And God's, oh, I wish I had some men to stand upon your feet and shout, God is faithful. God is on the throne. God's going to make a way. God's going to make a way. Somebody shout, God is able. Dad, you're right. We need strong men, not tossed to and fro, not tossed. Zachariah is old, and I, I'm sorry, ladies, but I've got to obey the Holy Ghost here today. I had a nudge in the spirit this morning when I was studying, but Zechariah was old, and the angel comes to him. You're going to find that God spoke to Adam. He did not speak to Eve. Very few times you're going to find that God spoke to Mary over Joseph. Joseph was the one that began to lead that family. Where we have messed up, we have as men had handed off the authority of the family to the wife, handed off the governance of, the, of, of leading the home to the woman, and you have walked out of your role excusing yourself to be a provider only. Well, I love my kids. I love my family. Well, how do they know you love them? Because I provided. I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had people say, did your dad ever hug you? Well, he never... But I know he loved me because there was always clothes on my body, food on the table. There was more to being a father than being a provider. Your children need to see you're not going to make them a sissy by hugging them. You're not going to make them a sissy by saying, listen, dad loves you. I'm proud of you. If they don't get validation from you, 
Where are they going to get validation from? Zechariah, your words are so important that when God, the angel came and said, hey, Elizabeth's going to have a son, and you're going to call his name John. He said, but Lord, I'm old. He spoke unbelief. God, are you able to do this? Are you able to do this? He was questioning because of his age. Now, don't, don't make him sound not, not normal. I mean, my lands, if some of you in here found out your wife was pregnant and you're 70 plus. Or the angel came and said, hey, Brother Brown, if the Lord came and visited you and said, Andy's going to have a child, call him John. If he does, just keep your mouth shut. Amen. <laughs> These are real people. They're real people. But he understood that sometimes we base what God's going to do on what we've seen logically around us. But when the angel of the Lord is standing before you and said, Elizabeth's going to have a child, call his name John. And he said, hold on a minute. I, I don't, have you seen how old I am? God knows exactly where you are. You know what men need to do with the angel shows up and the word of God is preached and it seems so far beyond the capability what can happen in your family, fixing your marriage, fixing your children, seeing backslidden family come back and evangelist gets up, a prophet prophesies, your pastor preaches the word. You shouldn't fold your arms and say, I don't know if it can happen. You ought to jump to your feet first off and say, amen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. God's going to do that in my family. God is able. Come on, somebody ought to speak faith, not doubt. Faith. God's able. God's able. Listen, when we're talking about the family, it ought to be the man that's the first one up. Don't let the wife out-worship you. Don't let the wife be the first responder. I showed you st statistically what happens. If the man is the first responder to salvation in the home, if the man is the first one in the family to be saved, 93% of the men that come in, their entire family will follow. If the woman is the first responder to be saved, only like 16 or 17% of the family will follow. Did you hear it? I'm not bashing women, and you know that. But what I'm saying to you is sometimes men just got to step back and realize Adam was made first. He was made in the image of God. There is, he, he came and he spoke to Zechariah, called his name John. And when John, excuse me, Zechariah began to question, the Lord had to zip his mouth so he wouldn't ruin the destiny of John because there's power in a man's spoken word. God's going to bring things before you that you are to name. And when he brings a promise before you, are you going to say it's able or it's impossible? What are you going to name the prophecy? Come, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. What are you going to name the, the next prophetic word that comes in your life? What are you going to name the next time pastor preaches you a message? I'm going to tell you, with God all things are possible. That's what we're going to say, with God, with God. With God. Somebody shout with God. Look at your neighbor and say with God. All the ladies, you have your husband, somebody beside you, I want you to look at your husband and say, I need you to prophesy life into our family. Amen. 
Tell your spouse, quit being negative. If the husband looked at you and said, did you call the pastor? No, nobody called me. But I'm teaching you there is power. And there is power. And the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that he said, I'm going to make Adam a wife. I'm going to make a woman as a help me. Everybody say woman. Woman. And what you'll find is that when God had placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, how many know four rivers came out of that garden? Increase. Fruitfulness. One of them meant purpose. It, was, it, was, it, it meant like an arrow coming out of destiny. Multiplication. And I will say this every week as I teach. What's coming out of your family? It should be increase, fruitfulness, bursting forth, life, and purpose. The greatest example to a community is not a church building. It's a powerful family. It's a personal witness. Adam's in the garden. He places him there, brings all these things for him to name, and God would just see what he's going to name it, whatever he named it stuck. He puts him to sleep, pulls a rib, Somewhere, whether in the garden, out of the garden, I don't know, but he, in another place, designs her looking at him. She's designed based upon his need. She's designed. She's going to be the fulfillment of what is lacking in his life. What's missing from him will be found in her. Can you say amen? She's designed for him. Man, reach over and hold your wife's hand. If you're single, just hold somebody that's not there and believe she's on the way. Because the power of it is, the Bible says, he brought her to him. God help us. And I reiterate last week by telling you that the problem is you get your eyes off of God and start looking for a wife instead of looking at God knowing he's going to bring her to you. The greatest family portrait would be a dad that's looking to Jesus who's the author and finisher and the wife and the children looking at their dad looking at Jesus. That should never be substituted with pushing God aside and you just become a provider and stop your prayer life and just go to church. Every day you get up, man, your relationship, number one, has to be God before your relationship with your wife or your children. I mean, no, the man should be looking to Jesus. Now, now the Bible tells us that, that in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 21, the Lord God calls Adam to deep to cause a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. It says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. God made a woman. Brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now, what? Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, they shall be one flesh. 
And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. He brought her to him, and he called her woman. He named her woman. I personally believe that he is saying to her what God wanted him to say to her. Woman meaning feminine, opposite of masculine. It was never the will of God for a woman to be a man. Or manly. Never the will of God. When I was a kid, they called girls Tom Boys and celebrated it. It doesn't mean she has to be in high heels all the time. But there's never a substitute for a woman to be feminine. You, you can like to do outdoor things and ride horses or whatever and uh, whatever you like, but, but there still should be a feminine aspect to every single thing that you do. The 1920s hurt us because women began to say, I can do a man's job, equal with a man. And they brought equality to our country that redefined the American family. How many know that? Because when men were at war, the women kept the factories open. We're so thankful that they were able to do that. Would you thank God for that? They're hard workers. They're hard workers. And they were able to keep America running while the men were away at war. But when it got back, there was a national organization of women called NOW that, that was established. And it was women's liberation, also considered women's rebellion. And in one fad, they took off 12 and a half yards of clothes. They said, we don't have to be the way we were. The Gibson woman was changed, which was the, the sort of symbolism of an American lady, the Gibson woman was a modestly dressed lady and that change in that era that I believe that when the woman tried to become masculine it produced the counterculture of the 60's it produced children the same way Eve produced Cain it, 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 it created contention in the home because of a decision that was made and the next thing you know there was an entire generation that said we are breaking away from the establishment or the Christian family and we're going to go do our own thing and then it become this sexual revolution. Why? Because the home was destroyed in the 20s. Meaning, we're equal. Can I say today, you are not less than, but Adam was made first. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's the order of God's creation it says that the head of every man is Christ and the head of Christ is God and the head of the woman is the man. When the woman has to make the decisions for the home and the man is absent, chaos is coming to the house. How I many know this is true? Boy, it's tight because you wonder where I'm going. You already believe what I'm teaching. And we have got into this place that we have got into this place is that men are no longer supposed to be the man. All of this trans movement isn't just about making women masculine. It's about making men feminine. To remove the man out of the picture is to have chaos in the family. This is truth. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that it's a sin for a man to be effeminate. It's a sin for man to be effeminate. 
for a man to want to dress like a woman, to walk like a woman, to talk like a woman is not biblically sound. And if you're going to base what a marriage should be, a family should be, an individual should be, you can't base it upon culture of let them define what you're supposed to be. You've got to go to the book and say, what does God want us to be? What does God want our family to be? Come on, do you want me to teach the word or do you want me to compromise to the culture? Do you want me to be in the book or do you want me to compromise to the culture? Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And when you begin to look into this and, and you will see that, that when, when Adam was woke up and God wakes him up and brings her before him, she's the opposite of him. That's what it means, woman, opposite of him. She's, she's different than him. How I many know she's different than you? Man, he's such a guy. Are y'all with me? He's such a guy. That doesn't mean something good when they say you're such a guy. They're not happy about that. They're saying you're a jerk in other terms. That's what they're saying. Yeah. How I many know it's a compliment when he says she's such a lady? She's feminine. She's caring. She's, she's loving. When you begin to study uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and I will, I will parallel this. Have you ever wondered how, how often that Mary spoke in the Bible? She was highly favored in, in the text that I read today that, that when the Lord chose to come to the earth as God manifest in the flesh, that he chose to come through the womb of a woman. She, he knew she would be exactly what he needed to arrive at his destiny. And when the angel comes, and you'll find that, that the angels spoke with her, and, it, and it's, so you'll find that there are four places in the scripture where encounters where Mary, Mary would speak. And um, one of those is in Luke 1. It says this, it says, it says that um, when the angel came and said, you're going to have a child as a virgin. Then said Mary to the angel, How shall this be in see, seeing that I know not a man? I'm a virgin. How am I going to have a child, seeing that I, I know not a man? Well, she's about to be the fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, that a virgin would have a son. Amen? Verse 38, she speaks a second time. And Mary said, when they explained, Mary responded, said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. What she was saying was this. It's never happened before. But Lord, if you want to do something new in me, go ahead and do something new in me. She was willing to be a vessel that God could use. You're not just church members, ladies. You're, you're, you're not just coming to the house of God. God has a specific purpose for you. Amen. How many believe that God has a specific purpose for you? And she said, I, in the, book of, in the book of Luke, and you can turn there today, and, and um, uh, let's, let's read and see how she responds in the book of Luke chapter 1. When she says to the angel, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her, and Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. 
and entered into the house of Zacharias. Talked about him a minute ago. And saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard what? The salutation of Mary. It doesn't say what she said here. But when, my opinion, she expressed what the angel had told her of how she was going to give birth to the Lord, to Jesus, to the fulfillment of prophecy of, to the prophets and Moses and Psalms and the fulfillment of Isaiah, that she was going to be the one that was going to bring forth the Christ, the Messiah. At the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Could I say, Mary was holy. Mary was chosen. Mary was willing. You'll find Mary was humble. But when Mary accepted to become what God wanted her to become and use, when she spoke, it brought life. Men are not the only ones speaking in the family. We need women speaking what God is saying. The only thing I find first that a woman ever spake in the, in the word of the Lord is in Genesis when the serpent came to Eve and said, Hath God said? You know what she did? She quoted her husband. God didn't command Eve to not take of the tree. He commanded Adam, do not take of the tree. The day you take of it, there's going to be death. When the serpent spoke to her, hath God said, the serpent wasn't only trying to get her to doubt God, he was trying to get her to doubt the husband in her world. Did y'all hear, Pastor? And when the serpent speaks, she quoted the word of the Lord she heard from her husband. I will say to you today that if God is speaking in the home through your husband, through the church, you know what you need to do? You need to speak what thus saith the Lord. You need to echo to your children what you've heard from God through the ministry, amen, of your husband, through the ministry of the church. You need to speak what has been spoken to you because God's not going to speak something different to you than what he's going to speak to your husband. So when she's with child and she is, she's, she's starting to show, what does God do? He goes to Joseph and tells her, tells him exactly what he had told Eve. It will never be a God moment that God speaks something to the husband and the wife and they're two different things. It will always be the same word and let the church say amen. And so when God spoke to her, she went to a trusted voice after pondering it in her heart and she says to Elizabeth the salutation of what God is doing and the Holy Ghost came upon Elizabeth and the Bible says she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout amen. Aren't you glad for the life-giving verbiage and the voice of a praying mom, a praying wife? Would you thank God for that? Hallelujah. If your husband comes home and says, God has spoken to me today. I felt a word at the church. I believe God wants to do this in our family. He has spoken to me to give this. He's called us on a fast. We don't need this in the house. The worst thing you can do is oppose that and say, well, I just don't think it's going to work in our house. Oh, I, I don't think we should give that much. I, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, Grandma, my mom bought the kids that video game, and I know you want to get rid of it, but she paid a lot of money for it, and I'm afraid Mama-in-law is going to get mad. Who cares what Mama-in-law says? If God gave him conviction that doesn't belong in the house, that wife needs to say, amen, we want our house to be holy, because if God is speaking to you, 
Praise the name of the Lord. It's quiet in this building, but it's right. When the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, let the women keep silent in the church, that can be easily taken out of context. What is that talking about? Because people say, well, a woman can't speak, a woman can't minister, and if that's the case, she can't sing. If there's to be silence in the woman in the church, that means she can't sing either. What is it talking about? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's turn there. Oh, my lands, I feel like I'm giving you a lot of information. What does the Bible tell us? Tell us in 1 Corinthians 11 and 3. Behold, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is what? The man. And the head of, head of Christ is God. Let the church shout, Amen. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonor his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were, what? Shaven. Verse 10, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Verse 15, but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Why would 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tell us that a woman can pray and prophesy? And then go to chapter 14 and say she has to be silent. As if her voice does not matter. As if she cannot speak or teach. It's talking about order and not ability. Everybody say order. In the, in the scripture, the scriptural precedence is that if, if a woman wanted to question what was being taught, it would be out of order for her to raise her hands and say to the pastor, I've got a question about what you're teaching. Scriptural order was she was to go to her husband and her husband would come to the pastor and say, we have a question in our home about the teaching. She was not to come with authority over the man. It is never the will of God for a woman to rebuke the pastor. Neither is it your place to rebuke the pastor. Amen. You come, you have a question, doesn't mean you can't have a question, doesn't mean you can't get an answer, but you ought to come humbly because of understanding that the order of a home, God, Christ, man, woman. Christ represented the, the, the anointed position of authority in your life. And that you come in, you can have a question. And I've got a question about what was taught. But it should never be approached by a woman to bring question to that because it is out of order. She should never question authority because that is not her role and that's not how she was designed. I'm going to let you think about it because you're in question right now. And what's happened, we've, we've created the fallen nature of Adam was to be passive. The fallen nature of Eve was to be aggressive. And what we've allowed, we have promoted that, educated that in American culture, and the families have been some chaotic because there's no order in there. I'm teaching you today because I'm following scriptural order. Do you know that when she spoke, and I, I will plan on next week talking about this uh, if y'all come back. Amen. It's okay to say we need to go talk to the pastor. We need to work through this. And um, we, need, we, need, we need to work through this. And I'm talking about the power of a praying woman. First, you've got to understand your role before to be powerful. Do you know that four places, and I'm, I'm going to skip that, but you know two places I find that Jesus addressed his mother. At the beginning of his ministry, they'd run out of wine. And um, she, she comes to him, and uh, 
when they, when they needed, needed wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, they have no wine, Jesus. They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, woman. He didn't call her mother. Matter of fact, I can't find one place in Scripture that he called her mother. He called her woman. He was calling her by what she was designed to be. A helpmeet. Feminine. Her role, her purpose, her destiny. Not just mother, but he called her woman. He said, what, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. She promoted him. His mother saith unto the servants, whatsoever he saith, do it. She understood who he was. She believed in who he was. Everybody say woman. Now, now listen, if I looked at my wife and I said, woman, dinner's not going to taste as good as it did last week. Amen. The hugs are going to be a little bit cold and not embraced. I am not teaching you to go home and call your wife woman. What I am saying is that she has a role that's different than the man. Man, you cannot fulfill the role that she has. Women are some of the most powerful intercessors in the church. You know why? Because she's different than you. Men, men struggle with doubt, but women really don't. Men, men struggle with making decisions by fact and logic and by, by what they see, but women really don't. You can walk into a house, and, and I remember walking to the house one time, and we were making a major decision, and I walked in, Cindy was, Cindy was at the house, and I could see the look on her face. I said, what's wrong? She said, uh. I said, well, what, are you, what, are you, what are you thinking? She said, I just don't feel good about it. You know what I did? Why? I want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Because we make decisions by fact, and they can make decisions by intuition and a feeling and this thing that's in their gut. If a guy says, I have a gut feeling, don't believe him. It's not fact. It's not right. Don't follow a man that makes gut decisions. It's going to be all over the place. But if a woman says, I just feel, you better, you better listen. She's almost always right. That's why the church is compared in feminine version to a bride because they'll walk by faith and not by sight. God have mercy, I feel the Lord right now. They will believe when everything seems to be against them. That's why a lot of times your pillars in the family is a, is a grandmother, it's a mother, it's a person. And, and, uh, and, and the value of that person, that can be so faithful. Men will struggle sometimes with faith. They'll struggle with, with, with trying to balance reality versus fact. I, this, this is just what seems to be right. And a woman can just move with the spirit. A lot of times, the person that first responds to a move of the spirit is a lady. Because she doesn't have to have a reason to jump in. She just knows he's here. She just knows he's present. She's instantaneous in response. Amen. She has a feeling. She operates by that feeling. Let the church say amen. The last time that I see Jesus, maybe the second time that I see him addressing his mother, seeing his mother at the cross, he did not say, Mother, behold thy son. He said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. He was addressing her for what she was designed to be. And God designed you to be different. He designed you to be powerful. He designed you to be prayerful. He designed you to be sensitive. Sensitive. I say, Grandma, how you feeling today? She'd say. Talking about with her fingers, you know. How you feeling? I'm just telling you that ladies operate different than men operate. They have to, men have to press through some things unlike a lady has to press through some things. Let's stand to our feet. I was dealing with a chaotic situation. 
chaotic situation a few years ago. It was several years ago, like decade plus. And um, I, I addressed the prayer. There was, there was a, a, a son that made terrible decisions over and over and over and over again. He came back to the, to the Lord. I couldn't get him to listen to my counsel. Couldn't get it. And he came back to the altar, repented, and the presence of God fell on that man. So powerful. I wasn't frustrated that God touched him. I was glad. But I thought, how can he be doing what he's doing? And I asked the Lord, I said, how can he be doing what he's doing? And yet I feel your presence touching him. Why? I asked the Lord that. And the Lord immediately showed me his mother's face in a vision. Tears were running down her face. And the Lord said, this is why. Because she's praying for him. Thank God for moms that do not give up. Thank God for moms that get on their knees and lift their hands toward heaven and know that God is hearing them when they pray. Can I tell you, as that guy on the plane with me, God will send him a preacher. As the second guy on the plane with me, grandma was dead, but her prayers were still alive. Lady, you have an equal role in the church. Take the ladies out of the church, we don't have a church. Take the lady out of the home, we don't have a home. We've got to have the presence of the lady because without her, it is not good. And that's what the Lord said himself. We need you holy. We need you humble. Next week, we'll talk about you being worshipful. Let's clap our hands and thank God for his word today. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him for every lady of God. Every mother, every wife that prays and seeks the Lord with a humble spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. They're going to pray, uh, play prayer music. We're going to pray in between services. I know you're going to get your children, but let's, let's have a touch of God here today and come back worshipful. How many want the Lord to move among us? God bless you today in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.